At Stats and Stories, we love to have statisticians, journalists, and scientists tell stories of their careers and give advice and inspire young professionals and the next generation about what they can do with the power of data and analyses in their fields. However, we have yet to have a couple join us to talk about their careers in statistics and to reflect on how their work, particularly in Brazil, has progressed over the last 30 years. That's the focus of this episode of Stats and Stories, where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. I'm John Baylor. Stats and Stories is a production of Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media Journalism and Film, as well as the American Statistical Association. My guests today have been on the show before, but the careers of Denise and Pedro Silva are in need of a deeper dive. So let's get right into this with my talk with Denise. Oh, Denise, it is such a treat to, to be able to have you join us for a, a, a quick conversation on stats and short stories. You know, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've loved our interactions over the years, and, and I'd love to hear about kind of peop, also where people came from in terms of their trajectory of career and life. So, so how did you become someone with this passion for, you know, understanding the world using statistics? I, I love to tell the story. Thank you for, for asking. Uh, my mom was a nurse, and she used to talk to, about Florence Nightingale, the dame with the lamp. And she was talking about the, the Florence Nightingale and saying that, oh, she would go to the, to the war and not only treating the patients, but taking notes about statistics of the illness. And my mom used to be a nurse in a hospital that was close to the school where I teach now, the National School of Statistical Science. Um, I, I took my, under, uh, my first degree there as, as a statistician, my first degree in statistics. But before, when I was young, 14 years old, they had higher school in statistics, like a secondary school. So my mom, a nurse, came to me and said, look, you like, you like maths. And there are school close to my work that is from the Central Statistical Office. And they do statistics. And statistics, it's close to maps. So I, I believe you should have a look at it and perhaps take this course is in your secondary and your high school. So it was my mom holding my hand that presented me to statistics the first time. And because both my mom and my dad was, uh, my dad was a doctor and they are both working in public services. They were always working with public health all the time. So this passion for information for the public good is something that was always in my mind. So I worked some time in a private company, but I moved to the Central Statistical Office as soon as I could. And that's where I I am um, it's your mouth. Oh, that's I, I, I had never heard that story. What a wonderful story of, of kind of and, and what great sort of serendipity to have, you know, this this great good fortune to have your mom's hospital so close to the school where you took your first degree. What and then you did continue your your graduate studies after did you you did your graduate studies and continued after you had joined IBGE? Yes, what I did is I, I got my high, let's say high school as a technician of statistics. Then I got my first degree in statistics. And then I started working in IBG, already working in IBG when I decided to have to take a master. 
So I got a master in statistics in the Federal University of Rio de Janeiro. And then uh, also already in IBGE, they had a program to stimulate postgraduate studies. So um, we got a, a license, a paid license to get our PhD in University of Southampton. Oh, wonderful. Uh, let, I want to ask just one, uh, as you reflect on, on your career and the work that you've done, is there a particular study or a particular project that really stands out that, that gives you sort of, sort of great pride and joy to think about? Yes. One of one was many, many years ago was my first survey that I developed and was the wholesale and retail trade survey. So in 1988, Brazil didn't have sample survey for retail activity. There was always an economic census. So I, I was from the team that did the first survey, the first sample survey on retail and wholesale. And another project, in fact, it's more recent, it's the redevelopment of our national household survey. That was really very nice. You've been a great resource for your for your university, for your department, for your for your country, and uh, that service has been brilliant. So thank and 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 your time with with us has been brilliant. Yes, it was. So thank you again, Denise, for coming on the program. Following up would be a task that would be difficult for a lot of guests, but one person whose career is equally expansive and dedicated to improving the world is our second guest, her husband, Pedro Silva. Oh, you know, I am so lucky to have the job that I do. I get to I get to talk to people around the world, and today I have the pleasure of talking to uh, Pedro Silva. So, so Pedro, you know, one of the stories that I like to hear is, is how people got involved in doing what they do. So, can you talk a little bit about the career trajectory that led you to doing what you've done as a career in a career in statistics? Well, thanks, John, for having me and. Um Indeed, my story is somewhat similar to Denise's, though I ended up at the National School of Statistical Sciences by accident. And let me explain. I had some good marks in maths uh, throughout my earlier schooling, and I was encouraged to do secondary school, which prepares people for engineering careers. So I set an exam to enter that particular degree, and I failed. Uh, my drawing skills were pretty poor, so I passed all the other parts of that particular exam, but not the drawing, uh, the sort of part where you had to do articulate designs, geometric designs, and I wasn't successful. So a neighbor who had a family working for IBGE suggested that I should look for the School of Statistics, where also education was heavily uh, mathematical. And, and they, said, they said, well, you will get a good mathematics education there, even if it's not towards uh, engineering. So there I went, I set an exam to enter uh, the National School of Statistical Science Secondary School. I got in and it was love at first sight. I started learning about statistics and I engaged with the ideas that were being presented at the time. Uh, introduction to computing, uh, not necessarily using computers, but using uh, calculators and so on, very early on in the 1970s. I'm that old, my friend. And um, I, I eventually followed to do the 
BSc in statistics there, and I was hired by the IBG shortly after. Uh, but I had already started an MSc, so I started my MSc and started working for IBG about the same time. And basically, uh, the reason for staying uh, at the IBG for this long until retirement was that I can honestly tell you, working for a national statistics office for a statistician is like having a kid let loose on a playground with all those wonderful toys and other kids you like to play with. In terms of statistics, you have everything there from sampling to modeling to uh, confidentiality protection, you name it, it's all there. Well, yeah, so you've, you've mentioned getting to, to play with all the kids on the playground here. So uh, uh, as you think about this, this playground of projects that, that helped define your career, were there certain projects that really stand out that, that you really have great pride in the product or really feel a sense of, of, boy, I'm really glad I was able to be part of that? Yes, I have been involved in um, working on two major census population census projects at the IBG. But the project I'm going to choose to talk about is another one. Uh, when uh, Denise and I got back from our PhD in Southampton, I uh, started, uh, we started getting involved with the, P the staff at the School of Statistics. We both worked at other areas of IBG at the time, but we thought that the time was ripe for the school to develop graduate education. So in 1998, we managed, after two years in the planning and making, uh, we managed to start an MSc program in um, uh, sort of modeled after the social statistics program in Southampton. This has now evolved. It has a master's and PhD program. The current name is Population, Territory and Public Statistics. It has already produced over 350 masters and around 40 uh, doctors. So it's something that I'm very proud to have been involved with from the beginning, from the design of the program and have been uh, uh, teaching, supervising students there since the, the beginning of the program. And it has had an impact on the IBG because quite a few of the graduates uh, of this program actually work at the IBG. So this is something I'm particularly proud of uh, in terms of my contributions uh, to the organization. Uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a wonderful legacy and you should take, take great joy and pride in, in seeing that have come to fruition. Uh, well, I'm afraid, Paige, that's all the time we have for, for this episode of Stats and Short Stories. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you, John. Yes, thank you, Pedro, and also thank you to Denise and all of you at home for listening to this special two-part episode of Stats and Short Stories. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media Journalism and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you can find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on our program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. 